Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. What a thrill it is to be here, Sid. I'm so excited to be recording this episode with you. I am, too, except the weather is starting to get nice again outside, so yeah. I do... Can we start recording outside, or will that interfere? You want to do it out in the quad? <laughs> you want to go... We... Can we record out on the quad today? Hey, hey, Prof. Hey, Prof, can we do our podcast out on the quad? Because the problem is somebody starts shooting devil sticks three feet from you, and mm-hmm. you get a bunch of in the in the mics the whole time. That's not pleasant. That's true. Somebody I, wants, uh, I you get somebody to... crooning cats in the cradle f- five feet away from you. No thanks. Well, and I have to imagine that we're like hidden in this tiny room in our house with all of this like padding on the walls for a reason, some yes. sort of sound related yes like quality reason, and not just this is not just like your design aesthetic. No, I have no. They're foam. They're they're very important scientific. Mm-hmm. Uh, purpose that I definitely would notice the absence of were these um, sound panels not here. Definitely. Okay. So that takes outside. I know exactly what they're doing. Basically. Out of the equation. I wrote a book about podcasting. I don't know. <laughs> if you know. I wrote the book. <laughs> That's uh, okay. Well, uh, Justin, I have a, a topic this week that I, I'm kind of surprised we've never done before. Yeah. I had heard of this one uh, mm-hmm. for a long time. So it was, you know, I feel like we've at this point gotten a lot of the low hanging fruit, if if you will. So I want to thank Kayla for recommending this topic because I don't know, again, I don't know why we've never talked about it before. It's, it's, a, it's a very common old remedy that is still in use today. And it's made of warts. No. No. But it is called St. John's wart. Yeah, that's confusing. A lot of people are actually still confused about the difference between those. I'm going to tell you what the word wart means. Thank so that's part of it. God. That's not, but that's later. Okay. That's in a minute. I won't it's get not ahead. that much later. Don't get too excited. It's just. It is, it is something I looked into because I realized that a lot of things are called wart, but we don't mean wart like W-A-R-T, like warts. We mean W-O-R-T, wart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you use a word enough, you should probably That's fair. know it could, what it means. I've, in my experience, if you use a word a lot without knowing what it means, uh, it can get you in some hot water and maybe <laughs> you say, you've been saying something pretty stupid uh-huh. for a decade. So yeah. Now, if you use a word a lot. Uh, that you know what it means, but you mispronounce it regularly. That just means you read a lot. That's always been oh, my excuse. <laughs> I love that. Yes. I'm more of a reader than a speaker. <laughs> than a talker to other humans. So this is, like I said, one of the oldest and most common, I would think, herbal prescriptions mm-hmm. um, used globally, certainly, um, here in the U.S. as well. There is actually a lot more use of it as a standard uh, treatment of sorts, a standard therapy. What does that mean? Here, you would consider it like an alternative medicine, an herbal 
supplement. It's it's regulated as a supplement. It okay. is not regulated as a medicine. Like a, a medicine, a drug, a cure, a treatment. It is not like that. Okay. Um, outside the U.S., it's not necessarily regarded that way. Uh, but here, it's, it's, it's a, a supplement. Yes, okay. exactly. Uh, over time, the diagnoses for which you could use St. John's wort have changed dramatically. Hmm. Um, it was at one point, and we'll get into this, some somewhat of a cure-all. These days, we don't really consider it that. Uh, mm -hmm. Whether whether you're using it as an alternative medicine, like a supplement here or somewhere else in the world, somewhere a lot of European countries, it would be a lot more standard to, to use. Um, either way, we, we sort of targeted what we use it for. Long-time supplements listeners, um, like myself, probably have their uh, their uh, phony baloney alarms going off pretty crazy right now. Well, I don't know that that's necessarily true because so many people are familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, but people are familiar with a lot of things, like colloidal silver, and we see how that turned out. Well, okay, don't <laughs> use colloidal silver. This one's a little little different. We're gonna, it, okay. This one's a little different. Okay. Hypericum perforatum is the name, the scientific name of the, <laughs> of the plant. This comes from... Uh, a couple Greek roots, hyper and icon, meaning uh, over and, and either image or apparition. So over an image, over an apparition. It's because of the power that the plant was thought to have for a long time. Okay. It was thought that uh, Hypericum had this sort of magical quality that allowed it to ward off evil spirits or demons or, you know— Bad stuff. Okay. So, which is part of why I think there was a hesitance to accept it. Because there, we've talked about on the show, there are other, like, plants that we realized were medicine. Mm -hmm. Right? True. That yeah. happens. I mean, plants got to come, or medicine has to come from somewhere. Adult and sometimes tree. it's a lab. Sometimes yep. it's a, you know, f field. <laughs> a, a lovely meadow. A field of Advil trees. <laughs> no, not a field of Advil trees. But, uh, so, there was this sort of mystical connection with it. That it had this ability to to protect you in some way. Um, part of it, and we'll get into this, is, and I think this probably does look magical. I've never had, I've never seen a, a Saint John's Wort plant in the wild. I guess you can, like, you can find. You them may have wild. seen one in the wild. I don't know. I, uh, would you recognize uh, it? Are you? I've looked at pictures of it now. You can. You so in Google. hindsight, you mean you haven't yeah, seen? Yeah, right. yeah. And and I, if I did, I didn't know that's what it was. Yeah. Um, but I don't recognize it around here. It, it could it, one place I read that it could grow or like abandon mining areas. So seems like, like we might have it. It's got to be here. Yeah, I mean it has to be here. Not a lot of that in Huntington it's, still. It's all anywhere that's temperate. It's there. Okay. Like it's all over the place. It's okay. a, it, it's an invasive species in most of the planet now. Um, that's not where it started, but but nowadays you can see it a lot of places. The perforatum part of the name comes from these little translucent spots you can see if you hold the leaf up. Mm -hmm. So it looks like it's been perforated. Looks like it's got little holes in it. Um, but the but the mystical part, in part, might be because if you take the flowers and crush them, they give off this like very dark red sort of oil or juice or something, and that looks cool, like blood. It looks pretty metal, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the name, the colloquial Saint John's Wort was given to it by uh, Europeans who noted that the flowers tended to bloom around June 24th, which is the feast day of St. John the Baptist. Mm. That is at least one thought as to how, how it transitioned from 
Hypericum perforatum, which, you know, of course, everybody was They probably didn't lean with that, yeah. <laughs> to St. John's Wort. And there are a bunch of other names, but this is, you know, nowadays St. John's Wort is definitely the one that's I stuck. would guess it did not translate from, transition from Hypericum perforatum. It probably transitioned from that plant <laughs> with the weird flowers to St. John's Wort. Uh, there is also a, a legend about the name that maybe it is because – so like I said, you can take the flowers and you can crush them and, and let out this sort of red juice. And, and like if you just put them in oil, eventually it will just sort of turn the oil red and that, that was something you used to do is like um, – you'd want to infuse like olive oil with it. Mm -hmm. And so you would just put the flowers in olive oil and then after a certain number of days, the oil turns red and you know it's in there. Um, and supposedly the first time that happened was on August 29th, which I guess is the day that John the Baptist was beheaded. Okay. Okay, sure. I'm looking at you because I've like- Like the, I was supposed to know because I was Baptist for a while? And that's Baptist is in the name. So I thought maybe- Okay. You thought maybe I'd be plugged into John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know some stuff about John the Baptist, but none of it relating to his warts. If his, his name ward. was John the Raised Catholic, you know, you could look that's at me. Fair. <laughs> uh, so anyway, magical stuff. One way I, or the know, other. I think I, the, the, the timing of where it, when it blooms is the most likely. Probably, yeah. You know. That sounds more logical. Right. Um, but it does do that cool thing. Wart is an old word for plant. Oh, man. Yes. Comes from the Old English wort, W-Y-R-T, which everybody means was, plant. Everybody was gearing up for some classic Sawbones dinner party trivia. No. And, and what we get Come, is wart means plant it, back it, in old times. It goes the—so, you know, there's a lot of—there's there, some words in English and German that have common roots and, mm -hmm. and overlap. And um, the German word wort is, which is from the word wurzel, which means root, and then— Wart is. And wart means plant. Wart and then wart. Wart means plant. And there you go. Now you have wart. This probably makes a lot plant. more sense to you, a person who's looking at it on a page, uh -huh. than someone who's listening to you say it. <laughs> it was it like sounds German like and then Old English, and now it's wart and it means plant. Got it. Done. It is, like I said, it was native to parts of, of Europe um, and, and some parts of Asia, but then it was transplanted all over the world um, a long time ago. I mean, it's it's been here. I think the first time it was noted in the U.S. was like the late 1700s. It's a good occasion um, to use in, transplant because that is 100% what is mm -hmm. happening when you're moving a plant from place to place. I love that. Um, and it was everywhere it went, it was sort of prized for its perceived medicinal benefits. I mean, everybody pretty much agreed like, this is a great medicine. I love this plant. <laughs> of the medicines we have available to us, this is top 10. <laughs> this is a great one. There are two compounds in it that uh, are mainly responsible for the activity that it has, something called hypericin and then hyperferin. So there are two like active compounds in it that can do stuff in your body. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that might have effects, but those are the main two things, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's just important to know if you're going to have something that like is going to be used as an herbal supplement, it needs to actually contain the things from the plant that actually do you, do something, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Because we're talking about a whole plant. That's different than the idea of like a synthesized chemical that you take because you know exactly what is in that pill or that yeah. oral suspension or whatever. We're yeah. just talking about sort of crushing a flower and eating it, you know. <laughs> Hippocrates spoke of of uses for hypericum. Um, he mainly focused on things like anxiety as well as like inflammation in general. It could also be applied topically so you could eat it or you know, take it as part of like an oral preparation or you could just rub it on you. So you thought of it like kind of like CBD oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that. 
this Cordy's also advised uh, its use as a diuretic and for wound healing. Galen said that it was good for that kind of stuff as well. So again, you see a lot of um, a lot of rubbing it on yourself. But I mean, that's not unusual with some of these herbal preparations of old that you would, I don't know, put it in some wine and drink it, but then also maybe make it into a tincture. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, or or an ointment. Plenty the Elder. Wrote, yes. Yes. I know. I've missed him. We haven't Been talked about long. him. We haven't talked Since about good old Plenty in. for a while. He wrote of several different uses for it. Uh, it was good as a diuretic, again, something that makes you pee. A lot of people agreed it could make you pee, but it wouldn't make you poop. It would stop that. It would stop up the diarrhea. Oh. So that's kind of nice. <laughs> it, would turn, it would turn the poop into pee, basically. N- Chemically speaking. No, no. It would turn no. the poop into pee so you'd have more pee. No. In addition, he said you should mix it with wine if you have a bladder in a sentence. <laughs> Plenty always said you should yeah. mix it with wine, though. Plenty was also like, and if you're going to take it, you might Listen, as well. You're not feeling great. Just go ahead and hook yourself up. You might as well take it with some wine. You could also, so <laughs> you could use it to make you, like I said, make you pee, or you could use it to make you um, throw up. That was something that um, <laughs> in in hydromel or in wine or in water. Um, I he feel like that's it was such good. a wide use case. It was, like this <laughs> might make me be and this might make me throw up. He said it was good for getting rid of bile because, again, we're talking for humor. So, like, yeah. sometimes you got to balance them out and get rid of some bile. It was good for sciatica. Mm. Um, and then he said also, like, you can you prepare it different ways to rub it on yourself. Um, for gout, for burns, for wounds. And if you're bleeding, you could just rub it on there and stop the bleeding. So many things, again, were recommended to stop bleeding. And I wonder if it was just like, I mean, pressure is the number one thing to do Mm -hmm. when something's bleeding. So I guess whatever goop you have on your hand when you apply pressure, maybe you're just going to think it was the goop. Maybe it was the goop. Maybe it was the goop, but it was your hand. Yeah. You know, it's a shame we didn't just try that first because the pressure we already had. I mean, we have that. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy. You don't have to get it from a bush or something. She was led with that. <laughs> try that first. But they had stuff on their hands. They had goop. Yeah. Um, Celsus would also later include it in some urinary-related sort of potions and things. And he credited it as being part of, we've talked about before, Mithridate's famous um, all- poison antidote like you all you uh, every every poison cure yes, that's the we've talked about this before yes i remember this because you knew it from you'd heard of it in like games yeah your games you play okay yes about magic yes the games i play about magic yes yes you'd heard about it there and it's but it was sort of like a famous mythical potion that supposedly could you know be used to to cure or ward off or uh, make you able to tolerate any sort of poison. Um, and hypericum was supposedly one of the many. I don't know that that's really that makes it a standout. There, there were a lot of ingredients in that thing. Like that was the yeah. whole thing. It yeah. was it was a big giant thing. Um, but then it it continued to be something that um, rose to more prominence, and we found more uses for throughout the Middle Ages. Uh, and I want to tell you about that next. Okay. But before I do, mm-hmm. let's go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. 
Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. What are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got at two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Oh, Sid, it's never a good time when we have to dig into the Middle Ages. The worst time for medicine. I know I ride the Middle Ages pretty hard, but I feel like... It just doesn't get worse than the Middle Ages. Oh, I don't. You're the always so hard on the Middle we, Ages. We, we were just about to actually make some headway, and then everybody's like, well, let's try knights and stuff, and then fiefdoms and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we just stopped medical progress. It all went backwards. The Middle Ages are the pits. I mean, there have been more recent times in human history that I think you could probably also say that. Like, we were heading in a good direction, and then collectively as humans, we went, 
why don't we just stop and go backwards for a while and really yeah, regress and abso- take up some really that's absolutely dumb stuff a, for a d- bit. There's an upstroke <laughs> and a downstroke for sure. In, in culture, we two steps forward, one step back. I understand that. Uh-huh. But never, I think, did we say, you know, it has been an entire age, nay, several ages <laughs> since we have done anything good or worthwhile. And you know what? It's been so bad. I don't even want to call this like the before or after. This is just the middle. <laughs> It's in the Middle Ages where we all just sort of chilled for a while and got worse, and then we decided to try again later. Listen, we just lived through 2020, so... That was one year! These are ages! Entire ages! I don't even know how long an age is! There were four rough years there, Justin, but anyway. uh, Paracelsus was a fan of the herb as well. Paracelsus of the very long name. Yeah. Remember that whole thing? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There was Theophrastus was in there. Bombastus. Paracelsus, we talked about right after Celsus, which I always love because Paracelsus. He was next to Celsus. Big the same because he's like, me and Celsus. (laughs) (laughs) Von Hohenheim was at the end there. Yeah, that's that's where I I rank. I love that guy. Uh, We saw that t-shirt, I think. We have Paracelsus. Yeah, we do. That's probably why I remember. T-shirt on MacWord.com. I I may have pieced together enough of the name. I don't know. It's almost all there. Maybe sold out. I don't know. It's Uh, a great shirt. He noted that it specifically, and this is something that would um, continue as a theme with this specific herb, that it had specific useful effects on mental health. Hmm. The way he worded it, and this is in the uh, 1500s, each physician should know that God has placed a great arcanum in the herb just for the spirits and mad fantasies that drive people to despair. Wow. Which was his way of saying. Yeah. Well, it was his way of saying this is good for depression. Oh, okay. We we just didn't I, back like if you wrote that in a chart today, if you wrote that in a medical textbook, well they wouldn't let you write medical textbooks. No, you'd no. be fired. Yeah, you would be fired for that. We don't really talk like that anymore. Now we say this medicine has been found useful in the treatment of depression. Um, he would, and so he wrote specifically about depression, melancholy, and overexcitation. Hmm. So I probably anxiety. Is yeah. Probably what he's trying to say. Not just like you're excited. You're just like <laughs> you're just you're just really woo, not like woo. I'm too. I'm pumped. I need a medicine for this. Not. Uh, I'm so out. excited. I'm so excited. Right. I'm so scared. Just probably anxiety. Uh, other physicians of the time would continue to use it for other things in addition to this, um, especially pain. St. John's Wort began to be prescribed for all different sorts of pain complaints and, again, wound healing. Um, it, it, a lot of history it has been used, and and that has been investigated. Uh, since then for like was it did it have some sort of maybe antibacterial properties or or something you know antiviral properties something specifically that people kept using it for wound healing and it's like a lot of these compounds where i mean if you put things in a petri dish a lot of things can kill germs right but that doesn't necessarily mean it did that in the human body i've been i've actually taken a softer view on cure-alls that actually have an impact because i don't I think that I used to think of it as like misdiagnosis, but really like everything's so interconnected in the human body, especially with stuff like I could definitely see it having an effect on like, for example, anxiety or depression, but it's treating something else. But like that stress or that whatever mm-hmm. is caught, like the two are connected. You know what I mean? Like treating yeah. one helps relieve the other rather than it being misapplied. Now, mm-hmm. I, keep in mind, I have no idea what St. John's work does actually do, if anything, so – I'm going to get to that. Okay. Uh, the, plant, the plant is spreading across the globe at this point. Um, as people are 
sailing. culturally or just like like go, well, literally like going all across the globe. Well, and it it was it was physically being carried all over the globe and and transplanted and and grown and cultivated in different parts of the world. And as that happened, different regions, different cultures, different people would sort of bring it into their medical traditions and mm-hmm. use it for different things. Um, it uh, it began to be used not just for things like anxiety and depression, but also for, um, again, as a diuretic, if you were bloated, for gastritis. Uh, there were more like uh, sort of vegetable-based, like oil um, compounds that were made with it uh, to be placed on things that were inflamed, like a hemorrhoid. You could use it for mm-hmm. your hemorrhoids. Um, and then for for more, you know, minor injuries, like a burn or a cut or a sore or something. Um, there was also a lot of belief that it was good for, especially in, in Germany, for like nerve damage, neuropathy, that kind of thing. And so like the topical application or taking it, you know, internally for that sort of nerve damage or pain or something was a very common use as well. It would become part of the traditional herbs that were used by uh, cultures indigenous to the Americas as well as it shown up as it showed up here. Like I said, I think the first time that they found it in the U.S. was in like Pennsylvania, sometime in the mid 1700s, and then it continued to grow and and spread around here um, and everywhere that it went. It's it's an invasive plant. It just it does its just, own thing, just, yeah. like kudzu vine. Yes. Except I don't, th- I don't think it has any medicinal that we know of. Yeah, I, man, I remember when I tore a ton of that off the back of our house. Yeah, it was like a whole day. I appreciate you doing that, by the way. Yeah, I, meant, I meant to tell you earlier <laughs> when we live. That was yeah. We don't even live there anymore. Yeah, but I meant to tell you earlier. I, I, bet, I do appreciate you doing that. I bet the people who live there now appreciate it. Yeah, like many herbal medicines. Uh, especially in this country, I, I should say at this point, it began to fall, fall out of favor in the 19th century. Um, as we turn more and more to um, sort of a scientific, like an empiric tradition of medicine where if something's going to work, you have to be able to test and prove why and mm-hmm. how and that it works in multiple people. And like also separating the last vestiges of this sort of spiritual tradition of medicine from the scientific, physical, you know, literal world tradition of medicine. Um, Herbs like this, like St. John's Wort, who, I mean, the name speaks to its sort of magical, mystical properties and these beliefs associated with it. And because of that, um, herbs like this especially were discounted by a lot of physicians out of hand because, well— you know, the idea was, well, the only reason this is this is a folk medicine. The only reason people believe in it is because they think that it wards off magical spirits and all this kind of stuff. And so things like that um, were dismissed by a lot of like mainstream medical practitioners. Right. Now, in the U.S., like I said, outside of the U.S., this wasn't always necessarily the case, especially for this medicine in Germany. There was a strong tradition of using it in Germany, and this would spread to other parts of Europe. But the eclectics in the U.S. really kept it alive. We talked about the eclectic medical tradition that really yeah. peaked in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. They were sort of like online with the Thompsonians and right, other right. alternative medicine traditions that basically looked at mainstream medicine and said, you guys don't know what you're doing, which was true right. in many cases. Um, we don't know what we're doing either, but we're just going to take a <laughs> shot at it. Well, and some of this was the mainstream doctors don't know what they're doing and the things they're doing are hurting and killing people. And those are all valid things to say. Yeah, for sure. Um, So this was more like, let's try to do things that help people, again, without any sort of rigorous scientific effort, 
but maybe we won't try things that are so harsh. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> let's let's drink an herbal tea, and worst case, it makes you, you know, have diarrhea or something. <laughs> that's the but that's the worst case. Um, which I compared to what some of the you know mainstream physicians at the time were doing. Not bad. You know, it didn't seem as drilling holes in heads. It didn't seem as bad. Um, however, the eclectics kept it alive even though it had sort of these magical things, because they didn't mind that. That was also part of the eclectic thing, is we don't mind if it kind of has this magic thing to it. If mm-hmm. it works, it works. Um, you know, we're okay with that. Uh, and, and so, like I said, it continued to be used here, mainly, again, for the things that it stuck. I think the reasons that it stuck for these certain conditions is probably because they saw more effectiveness, just like out there, person to person, um, for things like anxiety and depression. Um, and in Europe, it became a lot more standardized. Um, my understanding is that it would not be unusual for a patient who was being treated for one of those mood disorders to be on St. John's Wort. And I, and I believe the production of, you know, what you're actually taking, the, the pill or tablet itself, is a lot more standardized. Mm, yeah, that's a problem as a result. with herbals over here, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, in the U.S., it is still considered, like I said, an herbal supplement. So it is not regulated in that same fashion that we would a prescription drug. So the what you're getting in a pill, the way that it is made, and um, how, what it's compounded with, and all those different things can be a lot, a lot more variable. Now, even though I, I'm going to get into the actual like studies that have been done on it. Um, because there are, uh, there are a lot of people on it here in the U.S. There are probably people listening who take this on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, like many cure-alls, it has been tried for a lot of stuff that it, we've never really seen good, solid evidence it works for. Yeah. As I mentioned, there was a lot of interest in it as some sort of antibacterial agent or antiviral agent. Um, We've we've said this many times. A lot of things can kill something in a petri dish. Yeah, that doesn't mean we can put it in a human body and it'll do the same thing. Um, although we do have the advantage of knowing that St. John's Wort doesn't. It's not like it's not the same thing as bleach, right? Where it's like totally bad. Yeah, where like you can't put it in a human body because it'll also kill the human body. Um, but uh, it it was there were studies trying to say that it could cure cancer and mm. you know hiv all the, the the usual things any of the those big i hate to say it this way but if it's a big ticket diagnosis mm-hmm. one that the cure one could the come hitters. with well that the cure could come with a lot of money and fame and also there are going to be a lot of people who are scared and willing to seek out alternatives because they might feel that they are out of other options, traditional mm-hmm. mainstream options, um, you're always going to find this kind of thing. Um, so it's been tried for a lot of these different things, anti-inflammatory type purposes, and, and none of those studies have ever really shown so what, but anything interesting. You've but, been hinting about the fact that it might actually have some effect on something. So the, the one area in which it has been much more rigorously tested, and again, not to the level of a lot of the you know, prescription drugs we use in this country, but it has been more rigorously tested, is when it comes to um, anxiety and depression, okay. and specifically depression. Uh, that is that is the main area where St. John's Wort has been tested. Um, in those trials, the results have been kind of mixed. 
Uh, there was one in 2011 where they sort of compared it to a traditional um, SSRI, that's a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which is the sort of the mainstay treatments we use for depression. Mm-hmm. So they compared it to one of those medicines, and basically they found that n- nobody got any better. <laughs> the people on placebo, the people on the SSRI, the people on St. John's Wort, there was no difference. Okay. So they didn't find any of it effective. So that was an interesting study. Whoa, um, that's a weird. So mm-hmm. they said the SSRIs weren't effective? The SSRI, well, in this particular study, it was, it was 2011. Study. It was a 73 know. person study. All right. There you go. Um, there was another one that was Maybe done. Maybe it was a very depressing time. It was, in like, it was in like the middle of 2016. It was like, no, I don't feel better. Why do I feel better? <laughs> there was another one that was done. Um, it was a bunch of data that was collected in 2002 and then they finally analyzed it in 2012 and it suggested that it was similarly effective in, in effectiveness to um, an SSRI, a different one, a different antidepressant. They, they tried, to be fair, that is what the first study said too. <laughs> they tried citalopram in the first study. They tried um, sertraline in the second. Um, a 2008 much larger review of 29 studies from all over the place. So not just in the U.S. Now they took, um, like, these were international studies. Okay. Uh, they they said that they think it might be better than placebo and on the same level as some prescription antidepressants mm-hmm. um, from looking at these 29 studies. It was really interesting because specifically studies in Germany showed them to be more effective than other places, which it, the question there, what you have to start asking is, one, it, there's a much longer tradition of it being used in Germany. Right. So is it like... Confirmation bias. Well, and, and cultural acceptance of it. Like, that we know this is a treatment for depression here. We don't question that. Um, but the other thing is, the thing I mentioned, I wonder, I, I don't know from study to study where they were getting their St. John's work. I mean, they're buying it somewhere. It's not like you would go grow the Harvest plants it, and crush yeah. them and you know you yourself for the study test that right though well i don't know i mean i it doesn't speak to that in this that i'm reading but i it, it would be really interesting to see if maybe is it more effective in germany cuz maybe they're using a more purified mm. version of the plant yeah of yeah. the actual active substrates in the plant you know not just like the whole plant with all the other crap that's in there that your body doesn't need um and there is another study uh that that was a little larger that said uh, it was no no more effective than placebo. Um, that kind of threw a wrench in that. But anyway, and this information, by the way, all comes from the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health. So these are the people whose job it is to look at alternative and, and herbal things outside of the mainstream of medicine and see where the evidence is. They're, They're not— pretty impartial. Well, I, what what I mean is, yes, they should be impartial, yes, but they also would be the first to say if something worked. These are not people who are just going to naysay because it's a, I gotcha. an herbal med. Gotcha. You know, like yeah. if, if the evidence is there, they say it. If it's not, they say it. So it, pretty even-handed review from the people that are supposed to do these sorts of reviews. Basically, their bottom line is it's not consistently effective for depression. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is for some people. But we can't consistently say that it is always effective for depression is, is you know, basically what they say. They don't recommend that you self-treat with it because you can buy it over the counter, right, in the, in this country. Yeah, of course. So they don't recommend that if you think you're depressed or if your doctor tells you you're depressed that you just go buy some at the local drugstore and take it on your own. But that's why – but it's a, like not a controlled substance, right? 
Yeah, but they're but what they're saying is that depression is serious and you shouldn't just try to self-treat with something that we can't promise you would work. We would rather we recommend that you continue to see professionals. Okay. You know, for treatment of depression. I mean, it's the same as anything. I mean, if you if if I diagnosed a patient with uh hypertension and they said, "Okay, well, I'm going to go try to manage this on my own." Bye. I would say, oh, I don't recommend that. I'm let's work together. <laughs> let, let me help you. Let's talk about how you're going to manage yeah. it. Um, yes, of course, you are ultimately going to manage it, but the counsel I could provide and the monitoring and such will help you with this yeah. endeavor. And it's the same for depression. Let's work together to do this, either as your physician or your counselor or psychologist or whoever you're seeing. Gotcha. Um, the, their big point is. We don't recommend you just go try to handle your depression without seeking any sort of professional okay. help, which right. I think is good advice. Yeah, that's reasonable. Right. Um, now, the other reason that they say this, though, is products in the U.S. that are sold like this, as I have mentioned, are not uniformly regulated. So you might not be getting what you think you're getting. That's the other important point to just trying to self-treat with something like St. John's Wort. Even if you might be one of the people in whom it could be effective, maybe it would be, if you were actually taking the right thing. Maybe they're uh, cutting with baking soda or something like that. Well, I mean, you say that in jest, but, I mean, there have been plenty of studies. That was actually uh, the listener who recommended this topic, Kayla, um, that was one of the things that um, they sent along with their email is that uh, there have been studies that have shown that when we take over-the-counter herbal products in the U.S. and just test them to see is the thing that's on the bottle actually in there? Mm -hmm. Not always. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, they were in, – in this study, uh, they were able to authenticate about half of the products <laughs> – that's not great. Sure. Uh, and But one-third also contained contaminants and fillers that were not listed. Great. Even better. And some of those can pose serious health risks. That's what um, you guys take with a brand that sounds healthy, like Pure Life or <laughs> True Leaf or something like that. It, it's really interesting because that what it speaks to is even if St. John's Wort may be an effective treatment for depression in a patient, the thing you're buying over the counter, you have, we just don't regulate it that way. You can't be reassured that you're mm. actually buying something that one, will contain the active components of St. John's wort, and two, won't contain other possibly harmful contaminants. That's mm. just a problem. And, I'm, and this is not me saying, so don't ever use St. John's wort. It's just, you you need to know you're getting the real thing. Yeah. Maybe in Germany, it would be better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the only other thing I'll throw out there, and this is really important to know about St. John's Wort, and this is true for any sort of, again, unregulated herbal supplement, it can interact with other medications you're on. We know it can do that. We have tested that. And uh, specifically, it's broken down. The pathway that it uses is called cytochrome P450. Oh, I've, one of the classics. <laughs> it's, a, it's a liver it's a pathway through the liver that the, the uh, that things are broken down, an enzymatic pathway that um, is used by a lot of medications that you might take. And specifically, the way that St. John's War interacts with cytochrome P450 is it induces it, meaning it can make it go faster, oh, make okay. it break things down quicker and more efficiently. Which oh, that sounds, sounds good. No, because no. Ah. what will happen is it could decrease the blood levels of other medicines you're on. 
lower than what we want them to be. Oh, because your body's too busy with the- Because it breaks it down too fast. Hmm. So it makes you break down a medicine you need in your body faster than you should. And as a result, you don't have the right levels of it. So for instance, um, just some examples, it can decrease the effectiveness of birth control. No, no, that's a big one. Yes. And so um, it can also, uh, and it can also affect the way that uh, certain blood thinners like warfarin, the levels of those in your body. So you should never take this or any herbal supplement without talking to your uh, doc about what else you're on and are there interactions. Because these things are easy to look up and check. um, And this definitely can interact with other meds. In addition, if you're already on antidepressants, it can negatively interact with those medications to, you know, increase your serotonin levels too high. Hmm. And you can get something called serotonin syndrome, which can be deadly. So the, the point is, St. John's wort does appear to have clinical activity in the human body. And there have been some studies to suggest that it could help with depression, for sure. I'm not saying that that's not true. Mm-hmm. But the problem is in the U.S., if you're, if you're just buying it at a drugstore, you don't know that you're getting what they say you're could getting. Anything, yeah. yeah, for sure. You just don't know. Um, two, it can interact with other medications you're on, mm-hmm. not for depression. So you really need to talk to you know, your primary care provider about that first. Okay. Um, and three, it can interact with other antidepressants you might be on. So, so whoever so just, prescribes you those, you really need to talk to them about all that first. Don't take it and don't try to treat mental illness or any illness on your own without consulting with a professional, please. That's please. never a good idea. Or based on what you hear on a podcast. No. That probably goes without saying. Well, that's what I always say. Go talk to your doctor. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Sawbones. We hope you've enjoyed yourself. Uh, we sure have enjoyed being with you. Thanks to the taxpayers for the use of their song medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And uh, thanks to you for listening. We sure appreciate it. Oh, we got a book. It's on Amazon. It's a Sawbones book. Now in paperback with ex- expanded material. So uh, go 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 get it. I thought you were going to say explosive material. Explosive, hard-hitting Earth shattering. Oh, Sydney's got a TikTok at Sydney McElroy on oh, TikTok. You didn't have to know. Go follow Sydney's no, TikTok. Don't it's say great. that on here. You'll love it. If you like Sawbones, you'll love Sydney's TikTok. This is a different Sydney. <laughs> Thanks for listening. That's going to do it for us. Until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.